Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant yeah. Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Ash Wednesday, February 22nd. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverins and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's good to be with you this morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, even though it's Ash Wednesday, if you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass Folks, it's still not too late. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. Father Rocky explained to me how the Lenten lessons on the Mass developed. It occurred to me one morning, my Lenten sacrifice that year would be to write a little lesson on the Mass each day for Lent, and I'd post it on my Facebook page. Then several years later, Damien Schmidt, who's in our digital department, he said, Father, what do you think about sending those Lenten lessons of the Mass out to some of our audience by email? And now it's much more than just a written text and a picture. We've produced some high-definition videos, and they're free to you. And when it comes to the Mass, you get out of it what you put into it. So the Mass isn't like going to a movie where we need to be entertained. We have to come there with preparation and sacrifice. And uh, that's the whole idea of these Lenten lessons on the Mass. And so get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before. That's relevantradio.com slash Lent. It's still not too late. Quick reminder, Father Rocky and the Family Rosary Across America will be on the road tonight for Ash Wednesday, live from the main chapel of Ave Maria University with a special guest, Bishop Frank DeWayne. That's 7 p.m. Central uh, time tonight, and uh, you can watch it at relevantradio.com or the Relevant Radio app, where you can stream it on YouTube or our Facebook channel. As Father Rocky has said so many times, the family that prays together stays together. On Wednesdays, I always take a moment to remind you to pray to St. Joseph, the husband of our Blessed Mother Mary and the foster father of Jesus. He is a powerful intercessor. Go to Joseph uh, here on uh, this first day of Lent. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines on this Ash Wednesday morning? Well, my goodness, uh, snow, snow, and more snow for those in the northern tier of states. Uh, My goodness, blizzard warnings out for uh, parts of Minnesota and the Dakotas and uh, northern Iowa for uh, today into tonight and and tomorrow, and that's gradually moving east. A lot of snow uh, falling in Wisconsin. Across the whole northern tier of states, this gradually will move of course, uh, further along to the northeast in the U.S. in the coming days. But uh, snow days and or distance learning days, as they're called since COVID, right? So kids aren't free to play all day long in the snow, just part of the day, probably after they uh, do their video lessons and some having a pure snow day as well. But a uh, couple days off here at the uh, the end of February uh, to have uh, maybe some fun in the snow for adults trying to drive or wait for public transportation or work in uh, two feet of snow can be kind of challenging. And, and two feet of snow is some of the expected totals, I know, for, for southern Minnesota, as a matter of fact. And so this uh, classified as uh, potentially one of the top five snowmaking storms as long as they've kept records for 150 years or so in parts of Minnesota. 
So, Glenn, even though in Minnesota you guys are used to uh, winter weather and lots of snow, this is going to be a biggie. Are you hunkered down? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess so. The snowblower has already conked out and been fixed this season once, and so I, I think we're ready to go. Got uh, plenty of gas for that, plenty of groceries, and uh, yeah, it, it's kind of pretty to watch it fall. But again, for those who have to be outside uh, dealing with it, but I think as soon as the news was announced yesterday, joyous strains of children's laughter pealed through the neighborhood, and you could uh, <laughs> hear and see that going on well into the evening. Well, I'm sure they were happy to have a day off, even if they're going to have to do some work from home. It's nice to not have to wake up as early and kind of saunter around a little bit in the pajamas a little bit longer. I am sure that nobody is complaining about that. And, you know, when there's snow, that means when you're playing in the snow, you get hot chocolate. So that's another win. So (laughs) get out there, play in the snow, get your hot chocolate and get back to school, kids. And it'll be a little yeah, challenging, absolutely. I would imagine, uh, in uh, many parts of the country, these 23 uh, states, uh, including the six states that have uh, blizzard warnings, uh, to uh, to get to church, to get to Mass here on, on this Ash Wednesday. Yeah, one of the notes uh, from Archbishop Hebda in St. Paul, Minneapolis, is that the parishes have been given the okay to distribute ashes anytime through Sunday in case they end up having to cancel Mass for this evening. All right, so Ash Wednesday's here. Uh, Lent has begun <laughs> as of midnight. Um, what are the, the plans uh, from you guys? Well, I think as far as the giving up things, the penance, I'm going to try and go. And you got, you know, it's always good for us on the radio to announce this publicly, not to say, ha ha, here's what I'm going to do, but but to say, okay, I'm putting it out there. Uh, you got to hold me accountable. Accountability. Now, I think right I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to limit yeah, those, uh, eliminate right uh, in between meal snacks of any sort, and work in weird hours in the morning here. You know, you eat kind of differently, so that'll be a, a little bit of a challenge. But I want to remind folks too about some of the the other legs of Lent as well, with the the alms giving and, and the prayer. One of the cool things I've tried to add, and John, we were talking about that a lot yesterday. Something we can add for Lent is I've tried this not perfectly, but the last few years to every hour, at least once an hour, just to thank God for something big, small, intermediate size. But uh, just a quick prayer of thanks for something once an hour, just to try to keep that thankfulness at the top of mind. And as far as almsgiving, they were old friend. I uh, used to work with a couple I'd worked with, and they got married along the way. And uh, he died young about five years ago in his early, early 50s. And then she was in a tragic accident here a few weeks back uh, and uh, was hurt uh, very badly. So we've been helping to support them a little bit for, for almsgiving, but to kind of think of a, a, a different way of uh, doing some almsgiving that isn't necessarily through a, a direct program or something like that. So that's that's kind of the, the scope of what I'm hoping to be up to successfully over the next 40-plus days. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, those sound like some good ideas, Glenn. That's good. I will transfer some of that over this way. Uh, I'm just thinking I'm not going to give up like a food item or something. I'm going to work on complaining less. So that's my uh, and I, accountability. I've been telling people around work, well, hey, yeah, good, hold, hold me accountable well, to this. No more complaining. No more uh, <laughs> chatting about things that are bothering me, you know, that are, are whining. No more whining. I always tell my kids, no whining. Now I'm going to try to live up to that. So I'm going to try to avoid the whining and we're trying to create a, a compile of all these things in, in our home so that we can keep each other accountable in our own home, the things we're going to try to work on. So it's, it's good that accountability is definitely necessary during Lent. Here's a real quick, no sweets. I love chocolate and ice cream, none of that stuff uh, uh, during, uh, during Lent. Uh, but what I am going to try to do is uh, really 
every day read uh, from the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John. So add more scriptures. So I'm adding something uh, during this time. And also uh, join Father Rocky for the Family Rosary Across America for our entire family uh, during Lent. I think that'll be a, a beautiful thing to do. So uh, obviously we, we will be talking much more about this here. We got 40 whole days to talk about Lent. So uh, as always, thanks, Sarah and Glenn. We begin every morning always in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. Now, obviously, as we've been talking about it today, marks the beginning of Lent with Ash Wednesday. We are on day one of 40. We often hear from priests that more people go to church on Ash Wednesday than any other holiday, and that includes Christmas and Easter. Let's uh, talk about day one of Lent. Let's talk about ashes, the words of the priests uh, that he says, and the custom of Ash Wednesday. Joining us live is Father Jerome Kutnick, the parochial vicar at St. Mary Catholic Church in Huntley, Illinois, in suburban Chicago, with much more on Ash Wednesday and Lent. Good morning, Father Jerome. Uh, welcome back uh, to uh, Morning Air. It's a joy to be with you, especially here uh, to start things off. You are our leadoff hitter on Ash Wednesday <laughs> and Lent. Good morning. You got the right guy. You got the right guy. Well, Father, first of all, talk to us about the significance of, uh, of Lent and the meaning of Ash Wednesday. So let's start with the Council of Nicaea in 325, where they decided that all the churches agreed that Easter should be celebrated on the first full moon of the spring equinox. So that means uh, Easter is going to fall somewhere between March 21st uh, and April 25th. In preparation for the resurrection, we're invited to receive the gift of the resurrection through our repentance and humility. So today is a day to humble ourselves in sackcloth and ashes, which have very deep scriptural significance. Sackcloth and ashes, as, as, we, are, as we recognize ourselves as, as sinners before God, who is ultimately merciful. And today kicks off this pilgrimage, spiritual pilgrimage, following Christ to, the, to Calvary, the passion and death, and ultimately, we can never forget the resurrection. Lent is an old English word that used to mean springtime. Then by the second century, it became known as that period of individual fasting, almsgiving, and prayer in preparation for Easter. So I think it's important to remember that Lent is a springtime for the soul. It's a house cleaning of the spirit. It's a time to get right with God. The church signals out this period to say, hey, wake up. How about, you, you're going to refer to the ashes, memento more, soul, sir, woman, person, remember your death. And more importantly for Father Jerome, don't just remember your death. 
I do a lot of funerals. I'm comfortable with death. I've made peace with death. Christ passed through death. Remember your judgment. Remember your judgment and start living. And so why prayer? Why fasting? Why almsgiving? I love this, this, this take on this. Uh, justice is still prevailing. God's justice still prevails in mysterious and, and profoundly powerful ways. Prayer is justice with God. When I pray, I'm being just with God. I owe him prayer. When I fast, I'm being just with myself. I got to take care of myself. We, a lot of people have health issues that could be corrected by fasting, and this is a tough discussion for some. But proper eating habits, exercise. And finally, almsgiving is justice towards others. So in doing these three exercises, I find myself in justice and thereby able to be more receptive to God's good graces. That is a, a beautiful way in which you unpack uh, and give us an overview of, of the meaning of Lent. You know, a lot of people wonder, where do these ashes come from? In fact, yesterday we were talking about uh, Ash Wednesday Mass here at Relevant Radio, and we are wondering, well, do we have ashes? Do I need to bring palms in, into Relevant Radio for Father Simon's Mass today? Right. I, I love Rick Simon, and I love Father Rocky both. Uh, the Church has, has long used ashes as an outward sign of grief, a mark of humility, mourning, penance, and, and, mort- and mor- mortality. The Old Testament is filled with stories describing the use of ashes in such a manner. In the book of Job, uh, we have, uh, therefore I disown what I have said and repent in dust and ashes. In Daniel, he turns with his fasting sackcloth and ashes. And Jonah as well. And we're also in Maccabees, the quote from 1 Maccabees 3.47, that day they fasted and wore sackcloth. They, were sprink- they sprinkled ashes on their heads and tore their garments. So ashes have a deep scriptural, scriptural significance. As Catholics, we're incarnational. So creation has been, in some examples that's been blessed, has been elevated. So we enter into public ceremonial uh, exercises because we're, we're, we're not like the pagans. We, 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 we receive from God only in the degree that we're humble and we're receptive. Otherwise, Let's face it, today, with, with, of all the things people should give up, of all the things we're talking about, I was listening to your beautiful morning show, how about less technology time? How about less Amen, Father, screen? amen. I'm with you on that one. Because it's unfortunate, you know, the, the, the cell phone is seldom used as a phone. It's now used for all these other ways to be distracted from the justice that's owed God, myself, and other people. And how much more beautiful the world would be if we just were more receptive to God's good graces. And I think Lent is this opportunity, this this bugle call for all Catholics. Hey, let's get up. Let's get going here. I mean, I'm sorry. In my humble opinion, I'm at my desk at my office. I have mass in 14 minutes. The devil is on a roll. He just keeps taking souls left and right, and people seem to be walking in their sleep over cliffs. They're like the walking, sadly, many Catholics have become like the walking dead. They forgot their identity. They forgot their baptism. This is an opportunity to renew that spirit within you. It's, it's in you. And, 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 and it, God is calling out this day, please come back, come back to establishing in your heart a temple where I can dwell. And it doesn't, it doesn't just happen by saying simple words, Jesus, I love you. That's great. No, it's through the exercises and ultimately sacramental confession and the gift of the Holy Eucharist. For all the people that missed Masses during COVID, for, for legitimate reasons, for legitimate reasons, each and every one of them that, that, are, that are authentic will say the same thing. Boy, did we miss the Holy Eucharist. And, and yes, you did. 
Hey, I want to take a quick shout out to Father Max Streetle, the former pastor of this parish, St. Mary and Huntley, and the current pastor, Father DeTomo. This church never closed during COVID. I mean, we, we followed all the guidelines, but we never closed. We always had confessions. We always were open for Mass. And I'm so proud of the former pastors that were able to shepherd this parish and this whole McHenry County. With, with, with those spiritual uh, invitations to the sacrament. That's a beautiful thing. I know Father Max, he is a, he is a wonderful priest, a, a really good man. Father, time is ticking away. I wanted to just get to real briefly your thoughts on the, the powerful words that the priest says today when we receive ashes. So uh, thank you for asking me. Uh, <laughs> I say this humbly. I just... I say this humbly. I do more funerals, I think, than any other priest in the Diocese of Rockford, just based on demographics. We have Del Webb here. And I, I've, again, I've made peace with death. Your ashes are confronting you. How could you not be confronted walking around seeing ashes on your head or seeing other people with ashes on their heads? Please remind everybody, time is short. The, the, the life we've been given is going to be, we're going to be called to make an account. It's, it's not going to always be the way it is right now. Remember you are dust, oh man. That's how God formed us. He made us out of, out of clay and, and spit and, and breathed his spirit into us. And that spirit is going to go back to him one day, and, and it's going to go through judgment, and it's going to leave this body. So, so that's, that's the point. It's going to leave the body. And so let's take care of the body while we got the body, and let's praise God in our spirits by purifying our hearts this season for the most incredible experience of, an, of, of the empty tomb. Well, Father, I really appreciate uh, your perspective. Uh, great way to, to uh, start off uh, the Lenten season, our 40-day pilgrimage here on this Ash Wednesday. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much uh, for, for joining us. My honor. Thank you. Father Jerome Kutnick, the parochial vicar at St. Mary Catholic Church in Huntley, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. We need to take a short break. When we come back, our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona, will bring Rome to home for the latest news on the Holy Father from the Vatican. So stay with us. There's much more to come on this Ash Wednesday edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing Rome to home. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Ash Wednesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now it's time to bring Rome to home for the latest news from the Vatican. We go live to the Eternal City and our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona. Ashley and her husband, John, founded the Truth and Beauty Project in Rome, where they take people from knowing their fate to setting their hearts on fire. With talks, tours, and spiritual direction, all centered on scripture, art, and beauty, they even have a special track to evangelize young adults. You can go to truthandbeautyproject.com to find out how you can make your life a masterpiece in just one week with John and Ashley in in Rome. Good morning, Ashley. Buongiorno. Thanks so much for joining us once again from Roma on this Ash Wednesday. Hello, John. A blessed Ash Wednesday to you. Well, Ashley, um, let's uh, talk about uh, the, the Holy Father's Wednesday audience. What were a few of the key uh, highlights? What was his message on this Ash Wednesday? Yes. In fact, today on this on this very special day, he began his audience by looking at the Gospel of St. Matthew and specifically the the 
call, the great call in 2819 to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Pope Francis began today by focusing on that very first word, go. And he said that a lot is built into that very small word. Because when Jesus said to his disciples, and he says the same to the faithful today, when he says go, he's not just communicating a word, but he's communicating the Holy Spirit at the same time. And he said that's because only thanks to the Holy Spirit, one can receive Christ's mission and actually carry it out. In fact, he called the Holy Spirit the engine of evangelization. And the task of evangelization that the Holy Spirit is empowering all the faithful to perform is, Pope Francis said, not to indoctrinate, not to proselytize, but to make disciples. He said it's to give the everyone the opportunity to come into contact with Jesus, to freely know and love him. And then Pope Francis went on to say that if the church doesn't pray to the Holy Spirit, doesn't invoke the Holy Spirit, it will close in on itself. It will become sterile and it will get involved in exhausting debates. And he said with that, the flame of mission becomes extinguished. He said, because the gospel is not an idea, it's not an ideology or a political party or a club, but instead he said, it's a proclamation that touches the heart and changes people's heart. And so he said that as the church proclaims the gospel, every choice, every structure, and every tradition has to be evaluated on whether or not they favor the proclamation of Christ. And so this is how, according to Pope Francis, the spirit sheds light on the path of the church. He said, and he pointed to the early apostles who managed to operate together without being divided because they listened to the Holy Spirit. And so today, on this first day of Lent, he asked everyone to think about whether or not he or she prays often to the Holy Spirit. He he ask that one question. Do you let yourself be guided by him? Because he said the spirit is the light. It's that light that orients the church. It's the light that brings clarity. He said it's the Holy Spirit that helps to distinguish and helps people to discern. And so this is why it's necessary to invoke the Holy Spirit often. So he asked all present at the audience today to invoke the Holy Spirit today on this Ash Wednesday, John. It's a it's a, a beautiful message by the Holy Father. We invoke the Holy Spirit here on Morning Air every single day, every hour. We always uh, pray, come Holy Spirit, come. And, uh, you know, we it's a reminder from the Holy Father that uh, as St. Paul uh, wrote, uh, without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to say that Jesus is Lord. So we really mm-hmm. do need the Holy Spirit. Yes. In fact, today, Pope Francis said that it's only through that invocation of the Holy Spirit that one will discover his true mission and to grow deeper in faith. In fact, he referred to 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit as something that we are all called to do. Absolutely. Did the Holy Father have anything uh, else um, to say uh, about uh, this season of Lent that begins today uh, on Ash Wednesday? Yes, uh, John, he also asked all present to especially pray because tomorrow, the 24th of February, marks 
the one year anniversary since the invasion of Ukraine. And he, so he asked especially that I'll pray and remember the people who have been, um, who have experienced wounds and destruction and economic and social damage. He asked the Lord to forgive all these crimes. He asked the Lord to forgive all of the violence, remembering that God is the God of peace. And then he asked all to pray for the people who, who are tormented and who are suffering. And he said that all should ask themselves, has everything been done to stop war, uh, all war. And he, he appealed to all in authority to make concrete efforts to end the conflict, to reach a ceasefire, and to start peace negotiations, reminding that anything that is ever built on rubble can never be a true victory, John. Well, the Holy Father is the Vicar of Christ, and he represents the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ. So I know that uh, peace uh, has been on his heart and mind uh, for a long, long time since the consecration of Ukraine and Russia last spring. So we, we continue to unite our prayers uh, to the Holy Fathers for an end to uh, the way uh, Vatican News is reporting it, an absurd and cruel Ukrainian war in the words of the Holy Father. Mm-hmm, exactly. And uh, he he especially expressed the Holy See's availability to be part of peacemaking efforts. Uh, he talked about his interest to visit both countries and continued that appeal for peace and end to, to violence, John. Well, Ashley, uh, meanwhile, uh, let's shift gears. I understand there's a new St. Valentine meteor. Oh, you're right. Exactly. So sure enough, uh, right here on Valentine's Day, a so a family in southern Italy was a bit shocked when they heard quite a bang on the roof of their home. So this happened in Matera, Italy, which a, a lot of people know Matera because it was the city where Mel Gibson's The Passion was filmed. And uh turns out that when the bang on the roof of the house happened, the, the parents didn't think too much about it. But uh, two brothers who have a real passion for astronomy went out to investigate. They noticed that the solar panel was in bits, that there was also a tile there, and the tile is made of an ultra-resistant material, and it was cracked. So they knew something big must have happened, and they looked around and they started finding bits of material that had a very particular shine to it. So they called Prisma, which is the meteorite surveillance network in the area, and they came and discovered that this was indeed a, a meteor which had hit the, the home, a meteorite, and there were all kinds of pieces that could be analyzed. So what's happening is the fragments are now being studied by a team of scientists from the Italian National Institute of Astrophysics. And the Institute is looking to get some more important information regarding the, the development of the solar system. And in the meantime, as this is happening, has, is happening, the Vatican Observatory, and again, not many people realize that the Vatican does have its own astronomical observatory 
And they announced this week that four newly discovered asteroids will be named after four notable Catholics. So this is exciting news. Now, the naming is done by, uh, by an organization. It's called the Working Group for Small Bodies Nomenclature. And they have chosen that one of these asteroids will be named when will be named Ugo Boncompagni. So Ugo Boncompagni is the birth name of Pope Gregory the Thirteenth, and of course Pope Gregory the Thirteenth we know well because it was he who, having a passion for astronomy himself, uh, helped to reconfigure the new calendar in the 16th century, leading to the Gregorian calendar named after him, Pope Gregory the Thirteenth, which we still use today. And the other three uh, asteroids are will be named after Jesuit priests who have worked at the Vatican Observatory. So uh, the Johann Hagen was the director of the Vatican Observatory from 1906 to 1930. And then the asteroid Stroger honors Father Bill Stroger, who is a cosmetologist and theologian at the Vatican Observatory. And the Janus honors a Jesuit father who's currently on staff there. It's a really fascinating system the way they do this, John. Uh, actually, the, na the whole naming process can take decades. And after the asteroid's discovery, it can be named and can be given a, a permanent number only once the its, its orbit is determined well enough so that its position is going to be able to be reasonably predicted into the future. And at that point, the discoverer of it suggests a name for it. And they have all kinds of rules, like you can't use pets names or a commercial name, and you can't even use political or military names until 100 years after the death of that individual or after the occurrence of the event. So there are many, many asteroids that bear the name of, of Catholic scientists, uh, in fact, there are 30 asteroids named after Jesuits alone. And so uh, it, it, as we look to the stars, we can remember that the Vatican Observatory, which dates all the way back to 1582, is also doing the same. And in fact, um, their, their headquarters are, are just outside of Rome in a little town called Castle Gondolfo. And their major telescope believe it or not, is actually in Arizona. It's in the USA. It's about 200 miles southeast of Phoenix. But it's a very active audience. And as we look to the stars and look to the Lord, we can also remember the work of all of these great scientists who've gone before us, John. Ashley, I was waiting for you to tell me that one of uh, these asteroids was going to be named after Galileo. <laughs> Ah, well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> All right. Now, meanwhile, uh, today, February 22nd, traditionally is uh, the Feast of the Chair of St. Peter the Apostle. Mm -hmm. It also falls on Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. Uh, How is that working out? Uh, <laughs> will it be celebrated in Roma? Right. So because of the coinciding of these special days, the celebration of the chair of St. Peter was actually moved to yesterday. And so yesterday on Tuesday at the Vatican, this special day was celebrated when the beautiful statue, bronze statue of St. Peter seated on a throne. This was done by Arnolfo di Cambio back in the year, back for the Jubilee of the year 1300. Well, what happens is that the, the, the some Pietrini, so these are the 
the workers who are responsible for keeping up the basilica, keeping up all of the art, etc. Well, they get a very special job on this day, and they dress Bernini's famous bronze statue in solemn pontifical vestments, as well as a, a tiara. Uh, he wears a pontifical ring. And then they put a hundred candles around the statue yesterday. And uh, the candles were lit and people had the opportunity throughout the day to come in and to honor, especially Peter the Apostle. Now, the feast of the feast on the Feast of the Chair yesterday, a special mass was also presided by the Archpriest of the Basilica, that's Cardinal Gambetti, there at the altar of the chair, which we also call the Cathedra. And um, starting then from yesterday, a, a beautiful oil painting by an Italian artist um, named Gaetano Previati, uh, called The Passion of the Christ, is going to be exhibited inside of St. Peter's Basilica throughout Lent. Now, usually it's kept in the Vatican Museums, but now it's in the Basilica. And people have the opportunity to go reflect on it, meditate on it, and see all of the 14 stations, stations of the cross within this one oil painting. And in fact, tomorrow at 4 p.m. will be the first official celebration um, of the Via Crucis, of the Stations of the Cross that will be again presided by Cardinal Gambetti right before the Eucharistic celebration in the Basilica tomorrow, John. All right, Ashley. I remember from my travels to, to Roma that uh, people love to rub the foot of the statue mm. of St. Peter, the Bernini statue. Uh, and it, it was worn out years ago. I can't imagine what it looks like now. Oh, yes. Well, actually, it's so interesting because I look at it every time I look at that that foot, which is has been worn down to you could call it a little bit more of a, of a stump these days is simply because of the faith of people like you and me who've come. And in thanksgiving to Peter for knowing his prayers uh, helped along that rough pilgrimage journey to lead them to St. Peter's. Again, this go, this very statue that you're referring to, John, goes back 700 years. Arnolfo de Cambio made that especially for that jubilee of 1300 to welcome all of those pilgrims. So you think of the legacy of faith passed on over the centuries and the fact that the foot has gotten worn away by hands touching it one atom at a time of this solid bronze is quite remarkable to think about. But it's a beautiful reflection for us all to remember the faith of those who've gone before us. Sadly, it has been stanchioned off since COVID, but we're hoping for the best that it will soon be opened again for all of us to continue that beautiful tradition, John. Well, that's a lot of rubbing of, of that foot of St. <laughs> Peter over all those centuries. Yes. You know, they have a replica, not quite as big, at St. John Cantius Church here in Chicago. It looks exactly oh. like it. And that foot is also rubbed down just like the one wow. in Rome. So it's I always remember. Isn't just, that great? It is. It's it's awesome. Ashley, as always, it's a, it's a delight to be with you. Always enjoy our our chats, and uh, thanks so much uh, for bringing Rome to home once again here on this Ash Wednesday. Well, thank you, John. I also very much enjoy uh, the time we get together and to share this amazing city. So many blessings, and have a blessed Ash Wednesday. 
You too. Grazie, grazie. Ashley Narona, our Rome correspondent who joins us every Wednesday from the Eternal City. You can listen to her reports on the Relevant Radio app. Just go to Relevant in Rome. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Bill Snyder, the director and producer of Who Do You Say I Am, will join us to discuss his powerful documentary on the history of the Shroud of Turin. So stay with us. There is more to come as Morning Air continues on this Ash Wednesday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. It's good to be with you on this Ash Wednesday morning as we begin the journey of Lent. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Luke 9.23. Jesus the Lord says, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Season of Lent begins today with the Liturgy of Ash Wednesday. Ashes are placed on our foreheads as an outward sign of our repentance. Our blessed Lord asks us to die to ourselves and deny our very selves in imitation of Him, Jesus, who died on the cross for every single one of us for our salvation. As John the Baptist reminds us, we must decrease so Jesus can increase in our lives. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. A number if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Now, we have talked in the past about the Shroud of Turin, one of the world's most mysterious and debated artifacts. The cloth bears the faint image of a man's body, leading to speculation of its origin and purpose. There is a new documentary that chronicles the ongoing scientific and the spiritual investigation surrounding the Shroud of Turin. It's called Who Do You Say? I Am, which premiered last night and uh, tonight on Ash Wednesday, just in time for the start of Lent. People have faith in the Shroud as the burial cloth of Christ, but don't understand or don't know the science. When they get to know it and learn it, have more respect for the cloth because of that. Science truly followed and faith well followed blend to form the truth, and the truth is on that cloth. One possibility, of course, is that we have some unknown man who was scourged, crucified, stabbed with a lance, crowned with thorns, who spent less than three days within his burial shroud and bears his image in such a way that it cannot be recreated with all the technology that exists today. Or perhaps, just perhaps, it may be Jesus the Christ. This is your salvation. This is love in action. Joining us live uh, this morning is Catholic a young adult evangelist and media specialist Bill Snyder, the director and executive producer of Who Do You Say I Am, to talk about this one-of-a-kind documentary that takes viewers on a journey through the history of the Shroud of Turin. Bill Snyder is the founder of Patchwork Heart Ministry, a nonprofit Catholic youth and young adult ministry. Good morning, Bill. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It is good to be with you uh, here on this Ash Wednesday. John, likewise, it is great to be with you and all of the relevant radio listeners around the country. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, I got to tell you, full disclosure, it is impossible in the time that we have to really, really break down your powerful movie. Uh, I started watching it uh, last night. I'm not all the way uh, done with it, but from what I saw, uh, it really, uh, really uh, impressed me. Uh, you, you wrote and directed this film, Who Do You Say That I Am? How did the idea, uh, you know, come to you, and, and, and why did you decide to make uh, yet another documentary on the Shroud of Turin? Yeah, so it was a freak accident of the Holy Spirit, really. Uh, I was in a conversation with my co-executive producer, Kent Kaholsky and Brian Walsh, because uh, Brian really wanted to catalog a lot of his work. And so we decided to make this documentary, and we wanted to really make it from a Catholic perspective. This, this documentary is not something you're going to see on the History Channel, because we openly discuss our Catholic faith throughout the documentary. We are faithful Catholics in production. We're faithful Catholics as the uh, experts in the film. And that makes this unique. That makes this unique. We want this film to blend the faith and the science together and draw people in uh, deeper to a relationship with Jesus. This is not just a, you know, secular film on Discovery Channel or History Channel about the Shroud. And there's no question that there's been <laughs> numerous uh, films and documentaries uh, about the Shroud, many of them done from a so-called secular or even a, a scientific perspective, but uh, sort of leaving out that spiritual perspective. So uh, your film really is uh, different. Uh, it approaches it in a different way than those others. Yes, it does. Absolutely. And, and I think another unique part of it is we actually ask attendees of the Man of the Shroud exhibit, which is based in Libertyville, Illinois, uh, what they think of the, their impressions of the exhibit. So they're just regular bystanders that walk in to this exhibit and, and look at it, and they're blown away. So I think that that's a powerful thing, too. You know, just the regular average Joe. Uh, is blown away by the shroud and its science. So it's it's incredible. Um, you know, I was I was undone by God's grace throughout this process. Well, you you have a number of experts, and you cover a lot of really interesting uh, uh, points. Uh, some of them that have to do with science and history. Can you give us a, a real brief overview of of your film? Uh, who do you say that I am? Yeah, absolutely. So we go into the science, obviously. We can't ignore it. Um, but I will tell you just, you know, in the film, we talk about uh, the fact that the shroud was buried in a wall for 400 years. We, we talk about the fact that the shroud was hidden during World War II from Hitler, uh, which, you know, only a few, few people know about that. We talk about the incredible uh, science that is, you know, surrounds this from the inaccurate carbon dating all the way to things like how the blood behaves differently from the image that is uh, present on the shroud and how much energy did it really take to create the image on the shroud. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give the, the, the listeners just a little teaser that it takes about 11 AT&T stadiums running at peak power consumption to create the full image of the man on the shroud. So, you know, blown away 
by by just the incredible um, miraculous uh, features of the shroud and the process that I went through and Kent went through in creating this uh, to learn more and more about it and deepen my own faith. Yeah, there's so much uh, to talk about uh, that's in your film. Uh, just in the, in the first part of the film that I had a chance to, to see, uh, the, the whole issue about the carbon dating uh, back in the 1980s, uh, which m- many skeptics have used as an excuse to say that it's not authentic, that it's just a, a medieval forgery. I think you uh, debunk that idea. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. With the latest science, uh, Brian Walsh published a paper in 2020 uh, debunking that even further. So uh, that's that's the latest science, folks, and it's in it's in the film. Um, Bill, the, the the timing is perfect uh, here as as we start. Uh, Linda, uh, how did uh, the premiere go uh, last night, and what have you seen of how it's uh, touching people's hearts? Oh, I was uh, blown away by by what the premiere had last night. We had several people walk into the door. Uh, and and leave in tears, and I was I was blown away by that. I you know I, I when you're writing this and producing it and directing it, you're like oh you know you hope you touch people, but I was truly blown away by by the people leaving in tears last night, uh, and I can't wait to have the second part of the premiere tonight. We have tickets left, so if you want to come up to Milwaukee, you're in the Milwaukee area, uh, come on over to Inspiration Studios, visit our website uh, for all the information, and even to rent and purchase the the uh, copy of the film right now is available. You can go to patchworkheart.org to do that. We'd love to see you in person, though, as well, if you're in the Milwaukee area at the second part of our two-night premiere. Uh, once again, uh, that um, address for your website. Patchworkheart.org. Outstanding. Uh I'm very impressed with what I saw. Um, you also uh, came up with a companion guide to, to help uh, people have discussions and really study it uh, more in depth, uh, the Shroud of Turin. Yes, we do. And we want parishes to uh, encounter this as well as groups. So uh, look at the group licensing options because uh, you can bring this to your parish or organization and have a real lively discussion during the Lenten and even Easter seasons. So, uh, again, all that's available on the website. But, yes, engage with this film. It's the beginning of a discussion, not the end. Well, Bill, I really appreciate you uh, being with us here uh, on this Ash Wednesday. Many blessings uh, with your film. Um, I know that it's going to touch a lot of hearts and also uh, inform and educate uh, people about the reality of the Shroud of Turin. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. Again, uh, patchworkheart.org for tickets and to uh, order a copy of the film. Bill Snyder, director and producer of Who Do You Say That I Am? It's now time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called If I Were Lost, Would You Look For Me? by Bob Perks. If I were lost, would you look for me? If I cried, would you care enough to ask why? If I were empty, would you fill me up again? If I were stolen, would you report me missing? Foolish questions? Perhaps. They were brought to my attention this morning when my phone rang and I heard the sweet voice of a young lady. Are your dogs missing? She asked. I realized it was my neighbor. My heart began pounding as I hurried through the house, taking inventory. I sighed and replied, no, they're all accounted for. 
She is a sweet soul, a kind, generous girl with an old-fashioned heart and spirit. She bakes cookies and shares them with neighbors. She waves as she leaves her home and sees you working in the yard. Today, she found two small dogs walking down the street, and she took them in. They're well-behaved and get along nicely with our own dogs, she said. I suggested places for her to report finding them. Most people wouldn't get involved, I said. I wonder how many cars passed by this morning and thought nothing of stopping. You did the right thing. I went outside to watch for anyone who might be patrolling the area, and I listened to hear the distant cry of someone calling their names, but nothing. Then the thought came to me, what does it take for someone to go out of their way like she did? If I was lost, I would hope someone would come looking. If I were crying alone and longing for a kind, gentle touch, I would hope that someone would stop and speak to me. If I were empty, running on nothing but the little energy I had left from a battle going on within myself, I'd wish that someone would fill the void with words of kindness, caring, and concern. If I were stolen away by fear and confusion, if I were taken off to a place where darkness reigns and self-pity blinded reality, I'd pray that I'd be missed and rescued. So ask yourself that question today. Would you? Would you take in the dogs? Would you look for a lost friend or even a stranger? Would you offer a kind word? Would you search long enough to find someone you love who was stolen away by fear and doubt? What good is faith without action? From James 2.14, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn, coming up next hour here on Morning Air. Dan Federica, the co-founder of Scythian, an Irish Celtic Catholic band, will join us as we count down to St. Patrick's Day. And our personal success coach, Dave Duran, will tell us about the benefits of a daily examination of conscience, especially for leaders. So stay with us. We're just warming up. There's much more to come on this Ash Wednesday in the final hour of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant and radio app.